This is The Jerry Callahan Show. Big challenge for Donald J. Trump today as he heads to East Palestine. Uh, Big challenge. First of all, he has to outshine Pete Buttigieg, who's heading there with the intention of undercutting Trump. That's the that's the report uh, out of D.C. that Buttigieg will finally leave Washington to head to East Palestine. We'll tell you what uh, Mayor Pete had to say about that. But Trump is heading there today, and I think the first big challenge, is he going to be able to get his arms around Mayor Trent? Mayor, Mayor Trent uh, Conaway, that's not going to be easy. But uh, I think this is when Trump is at his best. He's going to go there, and he's bringing a bunch of stuff. He's going to make a donation. He's going to bring a bunch of water and food. And he'll, he'll you know, wear his suit and his red tie, but he will – he will have a personal touch. He'll be hugging people. Cry, people will be crying and hugging him and he'll uh, uh, make them feel a little better. It's what Trump does. It's what he does. Well, it's obviously something the Biden administration doesn't give a damn about. The people of East Palestine mean nothing to them. They're busy in, uh, in Bucharest or in Poland defending the borders of Ukraine uh, against Russia while the people of East Palestine drink their rainbow colored water. I'm looking forward to Trump. I hope that Buttigieg shows up at the same time. That will be great theater and it'll make Buttigieg look even smaller. Um, Buttigieg is uh, under the gun here. Lots of people demanding his firing. God knows he should have never been hired. I tweeted this out last night, and it's so true. It's a big job, Secretary of Transportation, in charge of all the the railways, the planes, the highways, and you have this nitwit with no experience in any of it, a failed mayor from a small Midwestern city who happened to go to to Harvard and then uh, go to Oxford and have a, and go work at the Kinsey, McKinsey, um, Kinsey Institute, whatever it is, and he gets hired because he doesn't like girls. It's the worst I feel like I say this all the time, the worst identity politics hire uh, of the Biden administration. It's hard to say because Kamala Harris is always there lurking in the background. But uh, and so is Corinne Jean-Pierre and Mayorkas. They're all inept. But I don't understand the Buttigieg thing. He is he did 75 interviews yesterday, mostly with his friends in the media who were there to help him out. Uh, but. Why is it so difficult to just go there? You, he flies everywhere in private jets. He has limos waiting for him. I would rather go to East Palestine for half an hour, go to a diner and have a cup of coffee, than do interviews with every network explaining why you're not there. I, it's, it's baffling to me. Why is it so hard to show up? I know he doesn't like to work. I know he took six months off from maternity leave. I know during most of these uh, transportation crises, he's been AOL, but why? why? What's the harm? What's the difficulty in just going to East Palestine, shaking a few hands, promising to give them everything, because that's what uh, the Biden administration does, just promising to give them uh, taxpayer money for whatever, and uh, and mean a few people. Why? Uh, Trump will show how easy it is today. I think this will be a big moment for Trump. Hopefully he won't post on Truth Social today because he just keeps making a fool out of himself every time he types out a truth. It's just embarrassing. Hopefully he doesn't make it about Ron DeSantis. His new nickname for uh, for Ron DeSantis, Ron DeSantis. Uh, 
I don't even get what that means. I don't, maybe it means nothing. Maybe it was just a misspelling with Trump. You never know, but uh, you tell me, wouldn't it have been easier for Buttigieg just to show up there a week ago, two weeks ago, spend an hour, have, have lunch, try, you know, meet the big mayor, meet the big man, mayor Trent, uh, meet some of the folks who uh, don't know when they'll be able to drink the water or take a shower. How hard would that have been? Instead, he's slinking around D.C. with his husband going out on the town, probably, uh, I don't know, probably at the Palm or Capitol Grill last night. And uh, one enterprising reporter, Jenny Tare, Tar from The Daily Caller, didn't settle for all those canned interviews where he sits in the green room and, uh, and, and, and Chuck Todd rubs his thigh. Uh, she wanted some answers and she tracked him down. This is what's called journalism, kids. If you're, if you're unsure of what journalism is, it used to be a thing in this country where you had actual journalists. You didn't have uh, regime propagandists doing uh, whatever they can to help the administration out. She chases down Buttigieg as he's heading to dinner with his husband. And uh, he, he, he handled it okay, but uh, he doesn't want this job. He doesn't do the job. I mean, he does interviews. He travels, you know, to, to you know, vacation spots. And uh, he's, you know, just a figurehead. He doesn't want to go places and get his hands dirty. But uh, let's watch as and listen as she chases him down on his way to dinner. And watch, watch till the end. Watch what he does with the actual reporter who did actual journalism last night. Go ahead. Secretary, what do you have to say? Hi, how are you? Good. Jenny Chair at the Daily Caller News Foundation. What do you have to say to the folks in Ohio, East Palestine, who are suffering right now? Well, I'd refer you to about a dozen interviews I've given today. And uh, if you'd like to arrange a conversation, uh, make sure you reach out to the press office, but I'll have a conversation with you. Just walk you don't have a message here. for them? I do, and I shared it with the press many times today. I'd refer you to those comments. Sharing it with us? No, I'm going to refer you to the comments that I made to the press because uh, right now I'm taking some personal time and I'm walking down the street. Are you going down there? <clears throat> What's up? Are you going down there at all? Um, yep, yeah, I am. When are you going? Uh, I'll share that uh, when I'm ready. Okay, I'll talk thank down the street. you. Can I, a, can I get a photo? Yeah. Can I get a can photo? Can I get a photo? He takes a picture of the reporter because I guess I don't know. He's he's not happy that she actually uh, confronted him with some questions. You know what? If you're secretary of transportation, you're making, I don't know, 200 grand flying in private jets. You got driver security. You don't get personal time when there's a toxic mushroom cloud over a small American town. You don't, I mean, that this is an emergency. This is your job. You should be there. And when you're not there, you should be working on the problem. I was thinking about this last night. How many people in this country, uh, have years, decades of experience in transportation, in highways, in, in airports, and in, in, uh, trains and planes, and have worked in the field, worked hard, uh, know it, know the business, know the railroads, know all the people involved, and would be honored to be Secretary of Transportation for four years under any president. How many? There's got to be thousands. And yet this guy gets the job because mainly he doesn't like girls. He gets the job because of his sexual orientation. That's it. There's no other qualification. That's it. I mean, and he sucks at the job. 
And he should have been fired long ago, should have quit long ago, but no, the, somehow this is celebrated. This is, this, is, this is one of the main reasons this administration has been such a disaster, is, is competence is secondary. It's all about immutable characteristics, how you were born. Let's hire him. He doesn't like girls. Let's hire her. Her mother and father are from wherever, Jamaica. I, I just, you see the results now in real time. We're not talking about some equity DIE officer at some private college somewhere. We're talking about the secretary of transportation when we have real issues, real problems. And he's out on the town with his husband saying, you know, call my office. I'm busy. Call my office. The contrast today, hopefully, He's on his way. Hopefully he fires up the Gulf Stream and heads uh, to East Palestine because Trump will be there as well. And Trump will be so much better at this. And the people there will be much more appreciative to see the 45th president than to see this clown. Man, wouldn't it be great if they're both on the ground at the same time or they're in the same diner at the same time? Uh, that will be great theater. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, I think uh, if Trump can just stay off, stay off the phone, stay off true social, stick to consoling people, making them feel better, giving them water, promising them uh, support. It'll be a, uh, it'll be a great day, a great day for, uh, for cable news, great day for uh, social media. Cause I'm looking forward to it, and I'm going to be disappointed. If if Mayor Pete doesn't go today, when the hell is he going to go? It's been 19 days since the damn train derailed, and uh, there's all kinds of media there. They, they, they got Alan, uh, uh, what's his name? Alan, uh, Alan Shaw, the CEO, he's been there. He's done a good job. Everybody he meets says he seems to be you know, listening to us and, and attending to our needs. He's... Uh, He's not as much of a villain right now as Buttigieg is. So we'll see how it goes in East Palestine today. Man, we got a lot to get to uh, today. Don Lemon is back. Thank God. Pete, Tony Maserati is gone, at least for uh, three days. But uh, Joe Biden is wandering aimlessly around Eastern Europe. Uh, I watched this morning. He had a meeting with the uh, B9, which I didn't even know was a thing, Bucharest 9. Uh, our allies there. You know what he did? He got ashes because it's Ash Wednesday, but he's one of those people that didn't like, don't want it to be too prominent. So he kind of smudged him up and it just looks like a little smudge on his forehead. He doesn't have the big cross. Uh, he gave a absolutely pathetic speech uh, this morning. Just ran, uh, He sounded half asleep as usual. Big news from the New York Times. Did you see this breaking news, Ironhead? Masks don't work. <laughs> <laughs> February 21st, uh, 2023, the New York Times reports masks don't work. And you know what the amazing thing is? This is the New York Times. Uh, people will still wear them. <laughs> I, I'm out and about in Boston all the time. Lots of people are still wearing them. Lots of people alone walking their dogs or taking a walk are still wearing them. What is it going to take for people to give up on this theater, uh, on this virtue signaling? They don't work. They never worked. They include N95s in this piece. It's a column, but it's in the New York Times. And it's an amazing thing. This would get you canceled on social media two years ago. You know, this would get you kicked off Facebook or Twitter for saying masks don't work. And 
here's what's going to happen. They're eventually going to come around to saying all the things that I have said for three years. They're going to say, you know, school closings hurt kids. Uh, There was no reason to shut down the economy to close all uh, small businesses. They're going to say, you ready for this? Vaccines don't work. They don't stop the spread. They don't stop you, prevent you from getting COVID. They're going to, am I allowed to say that? I can't keep this straight. Is it okay to say that now? I think so. But uh, hey, if the New York Times says it, we can all say it. Masks don't work. Wake up, people. You look silly. You look ridiculous out there wearing your masks now at this point when we know they don't work. It's, it's, it's over. Okay. It's over. We're moving on. It's hard to believe. I, uh, I saw Buck Sexton tweet this and I just laughed. I went to the gym with a mask on. I mean, I live in Boston. I didn't have a choice. I could either skip the gym and I, I thought of that a lot, but, or put the mask on and go to the gym with everyone else. It was just so absurd. We're sitting in the in exercising and we're wearing masks. I wore them, you know, the mask in the grocery store and CVS and all that when I had to. And I knew it was silly. I knew it didn't do anything. I read up. And finally, three years later, the New York Times admits they don't work. And I think it'll be, I think some people will wear them forever. You know, when you travel, you're in the airport, you're in the plane, there will be people who will wear them forever, even though being on a plane is one of the safest places you can be for uh, not getting an airborne virus. But uh, I think we're going to look back someday. We're going to all look back and say, what were we thinking? Why did people just submit? Why did everyone just comply? Just nuts. And uh, you can write it that you can bank it that they, they will eventually admit they were wrong about everything. See this little man right here, little evil elf. Eventually people are going to say he was wrong about everything. Oh, by the way, I never got to this yesterday. I had this, story uh, on my uh, my list here. Dr. Fauci is now doing public speaking as predicted. He's now cashing in because making, you know, half a million bucks a year for 40 years wasn't enough. His rate uh, from his speaker bureau, they, somebody posted the, uh, the, the little screenshot of his, uh, uh, his profile with the rates between 50 and $100,000 per speech Jesus. to listen to Tony Fauci, who you've heard. I feel like most people would be like, I've heard enough from that guy to last me a lifetime between 50 and 100. Imagine $100,000 a year to listen to that little weasel speak for an hour and take questions and tell lies. I mean, he is going to, he's 82. He's not going to live forever. Although the really bad people, you know, the George Soros's and the, and the Billy Bulgers, they tend to live a good long life. They're not burdened by conscience. That's my theory. The really rotten people, sometimes evil people, Bernie Law, uh, Whitey Bulger, uh, uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi, these people live good long lives because they, they don't have the stress and the strain of a, of a conscience. Uh, but Fauci will probably live to be 110 He's going to die with like a billion dollars in the bank. He's done nothing but cash in on his position as, you know, the leading health authority. And he's now free to take major kickbacks and be and sit on boards and everything else. He's going to make so much money, including a hundred bucks, hundred thousand dollars 
per speech. But hey, people are going to pay it. They're going to pay it. But I, I just looked I, up uh, Hillary has a minimum for uh, her speaking engagements. Do you want to know what that is? A minimum? No. Two, $225,000 <laughs> minimum. You're kidding. No. That's amazing. Imagine that. Imagine how much money she has. I mean, oh. no one, no one has grifted, not even the Obamas, not even Biden has grifted like the Clintons. They created the Clinton Foundation. They're scamming everybody, alleged, ostensibly to, to help the people of Haiti who got nothing. Uh, and the two of them, Bill and Hillary, you know, they have made so, they must have so much money. And yet she takes a job at Columbia. I don't know what that pays, but, and she's going to be, she's one of those people. She, she'll live forever, even though she doesn't look very healthy. She will live forever. And her way of getting uh, revenge on the people that kept her from the White House is to make money. She's just going to go out there and cash in. And she's going to croak with a billion dollars in the bank. But imagine paying for someone when you know just how despicable and, and uh, unethical she is. You know that she deleted 30,000 subpoenaed emails. She smashed her phone with a hammer. You know, she's the, I mean, she is, she obstructed justice and lied and created the Russia hoax. She's just such a sinister figure and people are paying her 200 grand to speak. 225,000 minimum. I mean, would you pay two bucks to go to a speech from Hillary Clinton or Anthony Fauci? No. I mean, I'd rather go to, you know, giggles and watch, watch uh, Lenny Clark or, you know, go, go to a movie. Instead, you're going to listen to one of these two ugh, creeps speak for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Quite the scam, quite the scheme, if you can get it, I guess. But uh, masks don't work. Uh Let's. Uh, I want to do. I want to do this Biden sound before we uh, get to uh, Don Lemon and Tony Maserati, two guys who are under the gun this week. We got to get to Meghan Markle too. She's. She might. <laughs> I want this to happen so badly. She might sue uh, South Park for mocking her. I, I mean, that must have been done before. Someone must have sued South Park, but uh, I don't think it's going to work. I think she is just such a spoiled little princess that she thinks, you know, she's special and she's the one that could stop South Park. We have the jury foreman in Georgia. You got to hear this. You got to see this. You're not going to believe the person who's deciding the fate of Donald Trump. And we got a new candidate for president. And I say, bring it on. I welcome him. He's, uh, we'll play you some of his, uh, his video announcing his candidacy. And it's pretty good, I must admit. But I want to do a couple things with, uh, with Biden, first of all, his let's do his speech, his last stirring speech in Poland before he moved on. Um, this this was about what you'd expect. He's you know he's eighty, he's old, he has dementia, he's tired, he's got travel, uh, he's got uh, jet lag, and he's up there trying to have his Winston Churchill moment or his Ronald Reagan moment. And it just doesn't work. I don't know. Someone has to tell speechwriters. You got to tone it down. He can't handle that big moment on the international stage. And by contrast, by the way, I don't know if you saw Vladimir Putin. Obviously, it's not in English, but he had a huge crowd and he was ripping, blasting the West, the U.S. in particular, for our wicked ways, for for same sex marriage and for for uh, uh, indoctrinating children. It was it was pretty good for. Uh, 
you know, uh, hit, hit a nerve with a lot of people here in the U.S. But let's listen to Biden. I think this was in Poland last night, you know, kind of summing up his whole uh, purpose of being in this Eastern Europe. Let's listen. The questions we face were as simple as they were profound. Would we respond or would we look the other way? Would we be strong or would we be weak? Would we, we, would be, would we the, all of our allies, would be united or divided? Uh, would we, would we, would we all, uh, whatever. Um. Oh, God. He moved on. You know what didn't get any play? This is amazing. If you missed this, this was in Poland, of course, and he was not making a speech per se. He was just talking about, as usual, all the things we're going to do. By the way, has he cured cancer yet? He promised when he was running we were going to cure cancer. He's halfway through his term. Has he done that yet? I don't think so. But uh, people buy anything. He's just sitting, sitting around, you know, hanging with the allies uh, in uh, Warsaw. And check out what he mentions in passing, what we're going to do for our Polish allies. Uh, go ahead. Let's, let's listen. Then we will discuss. And uh, we're also launching a new strategic partnership with plans to build nuclear power plants and bolster Poland's energy, energy, energy security for generations to come. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold the phone. We are going to do what? We are going to build nuclear power plants in Poland. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but we don't do that here. We, he, he's, he's started, he's got the war on oil. We know he doesn't, we don't want, don't want to dig. We don't want to drill. We don't want natural gas. We don't want to, you know, frack, but nuclear power plants, there's no uh, carbon emissions. It's clean. It's safe. It's the solution to all our problems. And nobody in the green new deal cult in the climate cult can ever explain coherently why we can't have nuclear power. They don't know. They just think it sounds bad. They don't want to just eliminate oil and decrease our carbon footprint. They want to eliminate all energy. That's not windmills and solar panels. It's, it's, it's the, the, the simplest way to win an argument with one of these nuts, these climate change nuts is say, well, why don't we build more nuclear power plant? They work, they're clean, and they can't tell you why. But we don't build them here. We're going to build them there? We're going to build nuclear power plants in Poland. Something we can't have. We can't have nice things here because, you know, Greta and AOC and all the nuts that throw, that lay down in traffic and do everything else. But we can have nuclear power plants in Poland what the hell? And no one even picked up on that. Uh, it just, just a little throwaway line. Yeah. We're going to help build up Poland's energy sector. What about ours? <laughs> what about here? He is the epitome of America last. He cares about the people of Ukraine, doesn't care about the people of East Palestine. He cares about their energy sector, doesn't care about ours. In fact, has declared war on ours. It just, I don't get how, 81 million people thought this was a good idea. Just doesn't make any sense. Then he, what is, what does he say in this? Uh, yes. Well, he, he went on like a, a, a few tweets spree yesterday, just going at Putin and making it sound like we're jumping into this war. But then he's like, no, we're not. 
No, no, we're not. We're just sending 700 tanks. If you missed it yesterday, this was another thing that I didn't hear much discussion, much, much talk, but he talked about all the uh, military aid we're sending to um, uh, Ukraine, over 100 billion so far. He threw in another half a billion yesterday. And he mentioned, he mentioned tanks, and I just assumed, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 tanks, 700 tanks, 700 M1 Abrams tanks. What a goldmine for the uh, weapons manufacturers. That's who's applauding this trip is Raytheon and Lockheed Martin, BlackRock. The average American is saying, why? Why are we investing so much in Ukraine? Most people knew nothing about Ukraine You know, two years ago. Most people couldn't find it on a map. And yet it's our top priority. That's according to Mitch McConnell and Joe Biden. Our top priority now is Ukraine. But uh, can't wait. If you're, built, if you're in the nuclear power plant building business, get ready to spend some time in Poland because we're going we're gonna to build up their energy sector. Not ours. No, not ours. Just theirs. But uh, anyway, that's, uh, that's the latest on Joe Biden's uh, trip. And I'm sure, you know, MSNBC and CNN are saying how bold and heroic it was. I love this. I watched just a clip from Rachel Maddow and she was praising him for the heroic trip to Kiev and said how gutsy it was to walk through that city square with, with Zelensky, even though air raid sirens were going off. She thought that was just so brave. And I'm going, you know, they aren't real. Everybody knows CNN reported. They're not real air raid sirens, that there was no real air raid. You know, it was all theater. And yet they, are praising him for it anyway. That's what you call propaganda from the regime media, praising him for this choreographed performance in Kiev that took no guts. There was no threat. We we told the Russians in advance he was going to be there, warned them don't try anything. They didn't. No one thought they would. What's the what's the risk? What makes that so bold and brave? I guess it doesn't matter if when you have them most of the media in your back pocket, they will advance the narrative, and they did. All right, let's get to the big story of the day. The big story of the day. Let's get Don Lemon is back. <laughs> Thank God. I, w- I really was hoping he wouldn't get fired. There were reports. Hell, Tucker said he is fired. It's just a matter of time. He is done. Others did, too. I saw a number of people say Don Lemon is done. He is not. He was back this morning. We'll get into that. And... Tony Maserati, um, Boston sports radio host, is out, at least for the this week. Could get worse. I know how these things work. I, uh, I had something to say about that on Twitter and got a lot of blowback, but I don't care. This is ridiculous. Um, we'll get into that. And Meghan Markle versus South Park. Who do you got? Who do you like? But first... A recession-proof investment without compromise, European American Armory Corp, or EAA Corp, has specialized in providing high-quality, innovative, and reasonably priced firearms to the U.S. market since 1990. Choose from a wide selection of unique and traditional pistols, whether you're looking for a concealed carry, revolver, shotgun, or competition pistol, EAA Corp has it. EAA's 1911 series comes in compact carry or full-size in three popular calibers. First-time gun owner, 
no problem. EAA Corp. All-in-One 9mm MC9 Striker Fire Pistols come fully equipped in a sleek, light, ergonomic package ideal for everyday carry. In addition, their lineup includes MC312 series of 12-gauge shotguns for hunting, sporting, tactical, or personal defense that will exceed your expectations. There's a limited lifetime warranty on every series available today from EAA Corp. EAA Corp says get the quality firearm you've always wanted and save yourself a lot of your hard-earned money. Visit eaacorp.com to learn more and order online or through your local dealer. I, I was thrilled this morning. Thrilled. I could never been happier. Got up this morning, put on, as usual, CNN this morning. <laughs> Actually, it's probably a one-day thing, but there he was in all his glory with his fake glasses on, looking as sharp as ever. He is the best-dressed man on morning TV. Don Lemon is back in action. Uh, I didn't think he would recover. I got to be honest. We're going to talk about Tony Maserati and Don Lemon. There's a difference here. Don Lemon, they both said something that offended people, right? Don Lemon meant it. Tony Maserati did not. Tony made a mistake. An act, it was an accident. Don Lemon meant it and, and tried to briefly make an argument that Nikki Haley at 51 was past her prime. He somehow in his simple brain, he equated childbearing with the ability to do the job of the U.S. president. Like you can't be president because you can't have babies. It was just stupid. It was, it was ignorant. It was wrong and offended a lot of uh, females. Uh, well, Don cooled his heels for a couple of days in Miami with his boyfriend frolicking in the surf and he was back. And uh, I guess it's not easy to fire a black gay, super liberal guy like Don Lemon, but uh, he might, he might not survive. Eventually he might be wounded. There, there might be an uprising from the, from the gals at CNN. That's the report. I have that here. They're still saying, uh, they're still saying that the females uh, are not happy on the staff at CNN and some are threatening to quit. Here's what Don tweeted out early this morning before taking the air. I appreciate the opportunity to be back on CNN this morning today to my network, my colleagues and our incredible audience. I'm sorry. I've heard you. I'm learning from you and I'm committed to doing better. See you soon. Uh, no mention of Nikki Haley, no apology to Nikki Haley. Strange why you wouldn't include that. But again, he's got, a, he's got uh, always has a good excuse. He's a dummy, right? He's dumb. And so he left her out back on the air, played it straight. I didn't see any moments of friction with Poppy Harlow. Hopefully those will come. Maybe CNN finally has figured out that they can have that tension and maybe people will tune in. The ratings are terrible to this point. Maybe they get a boost. Maybe they get a bump. I do know that they don't have a backup plan. They don't have anyone there who can step in and do that job. Yesterday they had like five women on the set and, and to when he was out, I was hoping they would do that again, have like five women who all hate him, put him in the middle and have that real tension every day. I know, I know I keep saying that, but why don't they, why don't they recognize that that's the best solution? Have Don there and have a bunch of women who hate him. Wouldn't that be a hook? Wouldn't you say, check it out? These women and some of them are really smart and they really were offended and they really hate Don. That's a formula for decent ratings. I'm not saying they're going to, 
you know, dominate, but that's their only hope. You come back and everyone behaves and they all pretend they get along. That's they're just going to go back into the toilet. But it's good to see him back because he is entertaining. He is a dummy. He is uh, he, he's a very confident dummy. So when he says things, says stupid things, he says it like he means it. He meant it about Nikki Haley. That's why it was such a big deal. That's why it wasn't just a gaffe. It wasn't just a mistake. That's why Poppy Harlow and Caitlin Collins and all the other women uh, who worked there were uh, so offended. This was from uh, from uh, New York Post this morning. They said the uh, Don Lemon issued an uh, an online apology before taking the air. He says the Emmy Award Emmy Award. Sorry, the Emmy winner joined colleague Poppy Harlow on screen, making no mention of the scandal that left him off the air. Harlow did the same, saying, Good morning, everyone. Don and I are in New York. Glad to be with you. Um, they do mention that some women, <laughs> they got the comments, Google it. Is that not the last refuge of a moron saying when you're in an argument? And you don't have an answer, you just say, Google it, <laughs> Google it. You know, it's, uh, they do say that some women are t- talking about uh, walking out. That's not going to happen. And they mentioned that Don is headed to sensitivity training. Now, this will be interesting. I don't think since not a lot of gay, black, super liberal guys go to sensitivity training. Those that's generally not what it's for. But uh, difference. We got a difference here. He goes to sensitivity training by himself. Let's get to Tony Maserati, sports talk show host on 98.5 in Boston. Super successful show, high, highly rated show. Uh, the whole staff has to go to sensitivity training. This isn't good for morale. This isn't good for team building. They, Some people are pretending to be offended by what Tony said. And, you know, most people aren't because they're being honest, but it, at least privately, they will not be happy with him when they're forced to sit in on sensitivity training because it's a load of crap. I've been through it, you know, a few times. I, I told you, I mentioned yesterday, the first time we did it, uh, they hold you, you, they mentioned certain words and phrases and you had to hold up a, a card that either had a red light, a yellow light, or a green light, or whether you should say it, not say it, or think before you say it. And the whole exercise was just ridiculous. They pay some consultant uh, $20,000 an hour to come in and sit with the whole staff. And most people will just be, just resent the fact that they have to go to this. But so Maserati, uh, and we, we talked about this yesterday, we can play the initial, you know, the initial offense, Because when you first see it, I got lots of questions, but uh, I don't believe that that many people are offended. I don't believe anyone thinks there's any ill intent here. I don't believe anyone thinks he intentionally made a racist statement. I think everybody, at least privately, if they're being honest, would agree he made a mistake. It was an accident. It happens. He said something that was construed after the fact as racist. Um, But if you agree that he just screwed up, made a mistake, it was an accident. It wasn't meant, there was no ill intent. He didn't mean it. I know that sounds simplistic, 
But again, the difference in Don Lemon and Tony Maserati is Don Lemon meant it when he said Nikki Haley's over the hill. Tony Maserati didn't mean it when he said two, or at least I don't even know one black guy. I don't even know about the other guy. I didn't see the other guy. We can play it and figure this out. But he joked that a black guy, a stranger who was kind of hanging in the background of this shot uh, was uh, was uh, planning to steal Mike Felger, his co-host's car. And to add context, Felger had a car stolen <laughs> recently. So it was kind of an obvious wisecrack. It was just a throwaway line. The people, some people admit Maserati didn't mean anything. There was no ill intent, no racist intent. And yet they're okay with them being suspended and branded for life with the Scarlet R. They, I mean, this is really um, damaging to Tony going forward. He's going to have to live with it. He's going to have to deal with all the, all the trolls and all the snide comments for the rest of his career because of this one screw up. And yet at the same time, they will admit he didn't mean it. That's the madness to me. I had this, uh, some guy from Reuters was uh, tweeting at me saying that I don't understand latent racism because it doesn't matter if he meant it. Really? It doesn't matter? The, the intent is irrelevant? Is that really the argument? I don't get that. I honestly don't understand how you can say it doesn't matter if he meant it as a racist comment. It was still perceived that way. Well, I think intent should matter, I think. And I'll give you a good example, but let's play this. And then uh, I need, you know, maybe Ironhead, maybe you can explain to me why the man, why the man must lose a week's pay, go to sensitivity training and be brandished for life for this one stupid throwaway comment. Go ahead, play it. Yeah, I want to know now who the two guys behind you are. That's what I want. Okay. Because if I were you... I'll be off in two minutes. I'm just doing... I got just... If, if I'm too loud, just let me know. Honestly. <laughs> no, they can't... Two more minutes. They can't hear us, right? No, not you. Okay, no. So I would be careful if I were you because the last time you were on a couple of guys like that, they stole your car. Here's Chris in Boston. Go ahead, Chris. Hey, what's going on, guys? Um, I want to talk about... Ms. So there it is. That is going to... Uh, affect that guy, Tony Maserati, forever. Trust me, that will be, uh, and I'm not saying he'll get fired. I don't think he will, but he might get suspended a little longer. He might have to go meet with certain people, do certain things, jump through certain hoops. The whole staff has to go to sensitivity training because of that. I need someone to explain to me why, whatever, the guy right here, Jim Murray on the right, he has to go to sensitivity training because Tony made a joke about guys stealing his car. Someone stole his car like a couple of weeks ago. I didn't even see both guys. Did I miss something? I saw one guy and he was just sitting there and it didn't even dawn on me till the stuff hit the fan that he was black and Tony was in trouble. Initially, when I saw it, I said, so what? I mean, he made a joke. It was not a big deal. It was a throwaway line. They moved on. That guy really has to pay, like he has to lose money. He has to get suspended. He has to explain to his kids why he's racist. <laughs> it's just the, the punishment does not fit the crime. And yet when I tweet about it or talk about it, I get 
hundreds of responses saying, you don't understand, or I mean, this, this is awful, this is hurtful. His, his friend and colleague, Chris Gasper from, from The Globe, He's tweeted and, and got the ball rolling. That's what friends are for, I guess. And, and uh, mentioned how hurtful and, and damaging this was. Really? I believe that if that guy sitting there on the couch, and again, I only saw the one guy. I didn't see the other guy. Did you, Ironhead? I wasn't really looking, I guess. There's a guy like right behind Felger's head, race to be determined, though. So you can't tell if that other guy's black. Nope. So the guy sitting there is black. He's just sitting there. And we're supposed to think if that guy were white or Asian or Hispanic, Tony wouldn't have said it. I don't even see a guy. I see just an object. It's a jacket and a beanie. That's all you can see. Okay, so we don't know. So that guy might be white or Hispanic or Asian. But if the guy sitting there was white or Hispanic or Asian, we're supposed to believe Tony wouldn't have said that? Does anyone actually believe that? That if he were, if the guy's sitting there and the, and the reason, I guess the joke you know, works at some level is because they don't look happy. They're mad that they have to sit and listen to Felger do the show. And maybe they want to do something in that room. It's a business office in a hotel. So if that guy's white or Hispanic or Asian, or you couldn't tell what race, then Tony wouldn't have said it. I don't believe that. And I don't care. I'm not going to make past judgment on Tony Maserati's heart. I find that to be ridiculous when people say, I know him. He has a good heart. I don't care if he has a good heart. You judge him on what was said, what happened here. And what was said here was was said with no ill intent, with no racist intent. And if you say it is, I think you are uh, just making something out of it for for effect. I mean, you want to believe it. A lot of people I heard from, they want to believe Tony had a racist intent, a racist thought in his head as he's making this joke or this wisecrack. I, that's just, well, to me, that's if he, too if hard he didn't, to believe. If he didn't, the optics at best look not great because he, the, the, well, the but, joke, but the, theft, the theft joke. And then also before he's like, they can't hear me. Right. Yeah. Except I heard that too, from a lot of people. So he, he, he says they can't hear me. Right. As he prepares to make a vile racist comment. Well, that's right? where I disagree with most people. Okay. It wasn't vile. It was just like a joke. Okay. But that's what I heard that you could tell it was racist or offensive because he said they can't hear me. Well, you know, can't hear him, the 100,000 people listening. So you're going to say something offensive and racist, and you want to make sure the guys in the room can't hear you. But you're okay with the tens of thousands of people listening, hearing it? That's totally illogical. It makes no sense to say, I want the whole audience to hear it. Because, you know, it's offensive and racist. Just not those two guys in the room. Well, the thing was, Um, though, is like if they could hear him, the only person who was going to be in any sort of trouble would have been Felger. Because he's the only one within like arm's reach. But even that, I mean, so you're supposed to, here's what I don't get. So Tony Maserati doesn't look at a black guy on the couch and think he's a car thief. He just looks at it as just another guy. He's not looking at race. Just work with me here. Doesn't see race, just sees a guy. Mm -hmm. A guy who's not happy with Felger and says, oh, he's going to steal your car. And what you're requiring of him to do is think of race when he's mentioning car theft, you must think that that, that person there, that black person is going to steal a car. And if you don't, you're racist. How convoluted is that? 
Well, so you see a black guy and you don't think he's a potential car thief and you're the racist. You ever seen, uh, you ever seen gone in 60 seconds? I think so. The, uh, is it Nicholas Cage? Nicholas Cage stealing cars or uh, Fast and the Furious <laughs> is uh, Vin oh, Diesel. I, I saw that. Wow. Another uh, one of those with a young guy, the really young guys, the car thief. What was, was it? It was another one of those Fast and Furiouses, I think. Right. And Vin Diesel. And I mean, so honestly, if he's pure of heart, if he's innocent, he doesn't look at a black guy and think he's going to steal your car. Then he's the bad guy. Well, wouldn't that be better if we all thought that way? Wouldn't that be, be, wouldn't that be colorblind to look at the guy on the couch and not think that he's a potential car thief? And it's just a joke about just a guy who wasn't happy about Felger, you know, hogging the, hogging the room. It's just, it, it's so illogical to think that he meant it. Well, oh, no, if, he definitely meant not. It, if he meant it, he probably wouldn't have said it. I'm going to give you a great example of this. That's why it's called a joke. Uh, it's a joke. And, and if you joke and you say something that society or the, you know, the current norms deems offensive, and you'd say it anyway, then you probably didn't think it was offensive yet. And just say, uh, I'm going remi- to remind you of someone. And this, this is not a perfect uh, parallel, but a guy named Jeremy Capel. Do you remember the name Jeremy Capel? Probably not. No. He was a weatherman in Rochester, New York. And he was doing a report and he accidentally said a racial slur. He said the, the whatever, the Don't do racial it. slur. And everyone agreed <laughs> it was a gaffe. Just a, he misspoke. It's like you say the wrong word. Sometimes people do it. I mean, hell, look at our president. You know, it happens to all of us. So he's doing a show and he blurted out, uh, I'm not going to say the word, but it wasn't the N word. It was another word by mistake. Everyone agreed. They fired him. <laughs> They fired him. It was uh, insane when you think about it. My favorite uh, one of those is the guy um, who was broadcasting college basketball. His name was Robert E. Lee. Right. And they wouldn't. No, that's the greatest. That could be the single greatest example of the insanity of cancel yep. culture. They wouldn't let him do the game. It was in Richmond, right? Mm-hmm. They wouldn't let him do the game. He's a Chinese he's, guy. It wasn't he's like, an Asian yeah. guy named Robert E. Lee. And they said, that name offends people, and the, but that's insane. But this guy, he eventually got his job back when Al Roker, of all people, went to bat for him and said, this is crazy. Uh, he, he was trying to say, the guy said, claimed he was trying to say the word King and Junior combined, and it came out wrong. And he said two words mashed together incorrectly. What I said wasn't even a word. It was a sound. Uh, people, I believe, uh, read into that. Um, uh, Al Roker defended him and I believe he got his job back, but the mayor, uh, a black woman demanded an apology and, uh, the backlash on social media was big. He apologized, posted a video, said he doesn't harbor any racist thoughts. Well, why can't it just be that he made a, uh, that he misspoke, that he flubbed, that he, that he had a gaffe. I don't think something like, like what Tony Maserati did is all that different. He just, it was a gaffe. It was a mistake. He didn't say something intentionally like Don Lemon did. I think but it, I it think doesn't it was, matter. It was just, it was just a joke, a harmless joke. And people, uh, you know, like 
people are getting on him for the apology too, but I actually think he's one of the few people that meant it. I don't know. I watched it. And well, I, I, actually, think he, I think he meant it because it, he realized how much damage it did. Well, and he's I, never been swept up in this before. No, He'll, he's learning. He's learning who his friends are. Yeah. He's learning who is telling the truth, who's being honest and who's pandering and play acting here. And I think it's going to get worse for Tony. Unfortunately for him, there's branded right there on his forehead. His regular large forehead is going to be the, the big R because people take advantage of it. You see it. Uh, it was on TMZ, Daily Mail, New York Post. It will become part of the conversation on ESPN and the usual suspects will talk about Boston and this happens in Boston and they'll say just another racist boss. And, and he could say till he's the rest of his life, it was just a mistake, an accident. I didn't, you know, whatever mean anything. There was no racial intent. It doesn't matter. They're going to capitalize it and use it and try to destroy him. And including people in his own, at his own station in his own company will take advantage of it and it'll be just shameless, but, uh, uh, it's not going to, he's not going to have a good, pleasant week off, put it that way. And when they all go to sensitivity, sensitivity training together, uh, they will uh, be giving him the stink eye and saying, it's all your fault. They're going to be, again, he'll find out who his friends are because there'll be people who will turn on him because of this. But, uh, all right, we have to, we have to move. I, I should tell, I could tell sensitivity training, sensitivity training stories all day. As uh, Kirk Manan pointed out, one of our sensitivity training sessions, which I was on remotely. <laughs> uh, it's a long story. I had no voice, um, but uh, two of our colleagues cried, broke down in tears. And uh, it didn't, it didn't uh, solve anything. It created more tension and a bigger divide among the staff. And uh, that'll probably happen here too. But who's going to be the 98, five criers. Duh, we got to get to, we got to go. I, I want to get to Megan Markle. I want to get to, uh, uh, to the jury foreman in Georgia. We have to get to that. Let me do Shay. And then we'll get to the rest of this stuff. And a new, candidate for president in 2024. And I think a really interesting one. Well, it's the dead of winter, but that doesn't slow down. Shea Concrete, they got a huge selection of precast concrete steps ready to be installed at your home. If you're building a new home or remodeling or replacing an old staircase, Shea has great values with designs that will fit your home. A new staircase will dramatically upgrade the front entrance of your home, giving you a much better curb appeal. You'll be the talk of the town, the envy of the neighborhood. Shea will take care of all this. They remove the old stairs. You don't want to have to do that yourself. When they're done, you'll have a great looking new entrance that will add value to your home. Is not an expense. This is an investment in your home. With one phone call, Shea will deliver a turnkey installation experience. In a few hours, you get a brand new front entrance. Go to SheaConcrete.com to learn more. Also, you can go there and look for a job. Right now, Shea is hiring. They've got between 15 to 20 open positions. These are career opportunities for all different types of people with all different types of skill sets. All you got to do is pass a drug test. Uh, in, in case you didn't know that uh, Meghan Markle was a little drama queen, a little princess, a spoiled brat, the most spoiled brat on planet Earth, uh, she was mocked on Salt Park, and it was good. It was what you'd expect. It was the prince and princess, and they changed their names and said they were from Canada for whatever legal reasons. That's where they demanding live. Demanding privacy while going on, you know, a tour, a media tour, and 
appearing on a big talk show and it was, it, it nailed it. Uh, and it was funny and it was silly and it was acerbic and, uh, she's not happy, but let's watch a little clip and then we'll tell you what she's got planned. To go on, all Canadians that is, except for our first guest, the prince and his wife. We Thanks for having us on the show. It's so awesome to be here. It's great. So let me start with you, Sam. You've lived a life with the royal family. You've had everything handed to you, but you say your life has been hard, and now you've written all about it in your new book, Wee. Yes, that's right, friend. You see, my wife and I are totally like you should write a book because your family like stupid, and then so are like journalists. So you hate journalists. That's right. And now you wrote a book that reports on the lives of the royal family. Right. So you're a journalist. We just want to be normal people. All this attention is so hard. <laughs> Isn't it true, sir, that your questionable wife has her own TV show and hangs out with celebrities and does fashion magazines? What are you suggesting? Well, I just think some people might say that your Instagram-loving bitch wife actually doesn't want her privacy. <laughs> How dare you, sir? My Instagram-loving bitch wife has always wanted her privacy. And you know what else? To hell with Canada. We are leaving. We'll go find some quiet place where we can be normal people. Come on, wife. We want privacy. We, we want, want privacy. We want <laughs> this. This from the New York Post this morning. Uh, the Duchess is reportedly quote upset and overwhelmed by the episode, and annoyed by South Park uh, and refuses to watch it. The ro- a royal commentator suggested that the episode could bring a lawsuit. Their legal team are uh, are casting an eye over the episode to see what is wrong and what could be turned into something more sinister. This appears to be their course of action rather than laughing it off, enjoying the moment and showing the world that they can take a joke. We want to talk about someone who can't take a joke. She's considering legal action against South Park. Which is, and uh, at, at this rate, too, uh, Cullinane's video of Maserati is going to get to her and she's going to flip out and that's going to really make it explode. Yeah, no, she's not going to get the joke for sure. But uh, <laughs> good luck to Megan. Good luck to <laughs> and the most henpecked man on earth, Prince Harry. I like that. What's his book called? I don't want to forget this. This is uh, if you haven't been following it, uh, a, jur- a grand jury was impaneled in Georgia, a special grand jury investigating election interference by Donald Trump and his allies. Uh, they're recommending uh, charges, indictments for multiple people on a range of charges, but it might get not get off the ground. It might get tossed out today. The, the, the foreman, the forewoman of this grand jury looking into these uh, charges against Trump Went on TV. First of all, if she went on TV and was perfectly normal and sane, it still would be grounds for appeal or grounds for mistrial or whatever. Um, But she's not normal. (laughs) She's not sane. This is unbelievable. This is her going on with MSNBC. She did a couple other interviews too. And apparently, doesn't the judge tell you stay away from the media? Well, she didn't listen. (laughs) Let's watch her uh, talk about you know, what she wanted to accomplish when she went into the, uh, uh, when this trial began or when this, uh, grand jury proceeding began, listen to this nut job. Um, her name is Emily Kors, forewoman of the Georgia, Georgia grand jury last night. 
personally want to hear from the former president. I wanted to hear from the former president, but honestly, I kind of wanted to subpoena the former president because I got to swear everybody in. And so I thought it'd be really cool to get 60 seconds with President Trump of me looking at him and being like, do you solemnly swear? And me getting to swear him in? I just, I kind of just thought that would be an awesome moment. (laughs) Oh boy. That is just a short clip. This woman is uh, unhinged, and uh, I think it was a gift to the Trump team. And and by the way, as uh, Julie Kelly, the authority on January 6th, pointed out, she's just like all the January 6th jurors. She just can't wait to indict Trump. She can't wait to to get the Trump team. That's the way they feel in January 6th. They don't, there's no one impartial. They don't go in there with an open mind. All right, quickly before we leave, his name is Vivek Ramaswamy. He's 37 years old. He went to Harvard and Yale. He's a brilliant guy. He threw his hat in the ring last night on Tucker, announced his candidacy. I think it's going to be interesting. I hope he's on the debate stage because he's really smart. He put out a video that's really good. I uh, tweeted it out. Check it out. It's three and a half minutes long. We don't have time for it, but uh, this will be interesting for a couple of reasons. He's, he's, he's declared his the theme, the priority of his campaign is a war against affirmative action and identity politics, a, a fight to bring back merit. I think that will resonate. He's got a lot of more good ideas. He's rich. He's smart. He's tireless. He's. I, I really wonder what kind of nickname Trump's going to come up for him. That's going to be a tough one. But I hear lots of cynical people saying, who is this guy? Who got, I mean, that's good. I want strangers, people, guys, people don't know guys who aren't in politics, guys who aren't in DC in the swamp. He's a much better candidate than Nikki Haley or Mike Pence or, or even, uh, you know, John Bolton. I, I, I like this. He's smart. He, I think he'll be, he'll add a lot to those debates. Uh, I look forward to him bringing it. He's, he's a little young, Maybe he'll be, you know, maybe this is just setting things up for next time. He's only 37, but a very interesting candidate. I uh, I suggest you check out his uh, new video announcing his candidacy. It's good. It's really good. I like, I like it. He's got, he's written books. He's made a ton of money. He once went to the World Economic Forum, but we all make mistakes. <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the, to the candidacy and seeing him up there and debating uh, Trump and DeSantis and who knows who else, but uh, we'll leave it there. Let's, uh, I'm looking forward to sitting down and watching Trump arrive and Buttigieg arrive in East Palestine. That's going to be good. We'll be all over that tomorrow, but that will do it for today. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thank you, Ironhead. I'm Jerry Callahan. This is the Callahan Show, and we'll do it again tomorrow. Shaking my head and thinking something ain't right. Is it just me? Am I losing my mind? Am I standing on the edge of the end of time? Am I the only one? Tell me I'm not. Like the show? Leave a five-star review on Apple and Spotify.